You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome in, everybody, to the Flagship Podcast. I am Chip Brown of Horns247.com, joined by Managing Editor of Horns247.com, Taylor Estes. And Taylor, it's been a rough week for Longhorns fans. They got all excited. Looked like the stage was set for the Longhorns to take control of their destiny uh, for a berth in the Big 12 championship game. Those horny toads coming to Austin in front of a crowd of 104,000 national TV audience, Fowler and Herb Street, game day, everything. And of course, the Texas offense pulled the old banana in the tailpipe on us. <sighs> and so it's easy to get down. It's easy to get down. I mean, right. You look at Mac Brown. He's nine and one at North Carolina. He's got a Heisman candidate at quarterback in Drake May. You look at Sonny Dykes in year one. He's 10 and 0. He took over a five and seven team a year ago. And now you need Kansas State, the team that you went up into Manhattan and and beat in a gut check game. You need them to lose either at West Virginia this week or at home against the very Kansas Jayhawks, who the Longhorns will take on Saturday at 2.30 in what is forecasted to be freezing temperatures. Taylor, are you ready to tackle Texas football heading into their penultimate game of the season? Yeah, I mean... They need to be ready. I think that's the the biggest thing for Texas right now, Chip. I mean, it's I, I was going to say this isn't the Kansas of the past, but the Kansas of the past did beat Texas last year. But this is a different Kansas team that Texas is going to be facing. Um, you know, they they have been with a backup quarterback, but sounds like Lance Leipold, at least earlier in the week, was a little bit more confident potentially. Um, that Jalen Daniels could be ready to go. And, you know, Jalen Daniels helped Kansas get off to that hot start where they were, I believe they started off five and zero to the season. So this is a huge, huge test for Texas that they uh, are about to face. And, you know, if they win out, they may get a chance to play for a big 12 title, um, but they have to win out at this point. And so, you know, I think you're going to learn a lot about the mental makeup of this team 
with everything kind of on the line and out of their control right now, Chip. But are you ready for this game? I'm ready. I'm ready. I am. I am ready. The uh, here's the thing. Here's the thing that gets me is the Texas defense plays unbelievably against TCU. We talked about that in our our flagship podcast recap of the game right after the game. And I think we need to sprinkle a little more sugar on that Texas defense, specifically Jade Barron, who had three and a half tackles for loss. They kept testing him on that, that bubble screen. He kept breaking through. Uh, blockers and making tackles behind the line of scrimmage had the 48 yard scoop and score Baron Sorrell. And by the way, Jade Baron now leads the team in tackles for loss, the nickel corner for Texas. He has nine tackles for loss. Baron Sorrell had another multi sack game. He has five and a half sacks now. And he's man, we got to talk to him this week. Taylor, that kid is, he is put together and he is, only a sophomore, only a sophomore. <laughs> and they need him to keep coming because, man, he was unstoppable in the first quarter of that game, but he, he made his presence felt throughout. Uh, DeMarvian Overshone, those three had 11 tackles each. DeMarvian Overshone was everywhere, throwing his body around, uh, making plays. And um, Jalen Ford, once again, Ryan Watts, once again, who had a big sack on a corner blitz, had another big tackle behind the line of scrimmage uh, coming up hard from his uh, boundary corner position. And Terrence Brooks, the freshman who looked a little bit maybe overwhelmed in the Iowa State game a few weeks ago. Uh, Steve, Sar Steve Sarkeesian said, we got to get our younger guys ready. And Terrence Brooks had to start for Deshaun Jameson because Jameson uh, was out with a concussion and Terrence Brooks held up the yeah. fact that we didn't have to call his name, um, you know, on a, on a pass play means he held up and, and so, uh, incredible performance in, in the defensive line, unbelievable Keandre Coburn, Tavondre sweat. They were, uh, plugging up the running lanes. Um, the one gap that got broken was uh you know diamante tucker dorsey got sucked inside a little bit it cost him dearly it was 75 yard touchdown run but still texas held tcu to to 17 points for crying out loud and and so and tcu was averaging 43 points per game going into the texas game hello mm -hmm. so now taylor this defense is carrying the team yeah a Steve Sarkeesian team is being carried by its defense. Yeah. Uh, a Steve Sarkeesian offense that includes Bijan Robinson and Xavier Worthy and Jordan Whittington and Quinn Ewers is now being carried by its defense. And, and that's where my, that's where I begin this week because you mentioned it, Kansas, Kansas offense is second in the nation in yards per play to Ohio State. Let me repeat that. Kansas's offense is number two in the nation in yards per play, 7.3, behind only Ohio State 
at 7.6. This is an explosive offense. And I don't care if it's Jalen Daniels at quarterback, who's averaging 6.4 yards per carry, or Jason Bean, the quarterback who replaced him, who's averaging 5.8 yards per carry, but is leading the Big 12 in pass efficiency in conference games ahead of Max Duggan, TCU's Heisman Trophy candidate. So any in Devin Neal, their savage sophomore running back who ran, okay, remember how hard it was apparently for Steve Sarkeesian to get the run going against Oklahoma State? Devin Neal ran for 224 yards against Oklahoma State and had 110 yards receiving. Um, wow. Yeah. And Kansas smoked, uh, Oklahoma state. Now that was a reeling Oklahoma state team that had like, you know, some student out of the fan section coming out to play quarterback, but, uh, still that Oklahoma state defense has been pretty good this year and Devin Neal ran all over them. So, and Jared Casey, the kid who caught the walk on, who caught the two-point conversion for Kansas to beat Texas 57-56 last year is now like a stud part of their offense, Taylor. He got like all kinds of NIL deals for for winning that Texas game, and now he's got, uh, what, 9-11 catches for 196 yards, and I can't read. This print is so small, but he's got multiple touchdown catches this this season, and um, – He's a guy that you got to watch for. So the Texas defense, Taylor, they got to they gotta bring it again in the cold. It's supposed to be 30 degrees in Kansas. What's your level of confidence that this Texas defense can ride this wave of momentum and confidence to Lawrence, Kansas, and put a beat down on these Jayhawks? I mean – I, I would say I've been pretty confident in the Texas defense all season long. I feel like um, they the defense in in general really had not been get, given been getting excuse me the credit that it was due up until the TCU game. The TCU game, I think people are starting to be like, oh wow, this defense is pretty well put together, and oh wow, maybe some of those performances before looking at the total yards and things like that. Maybe didn't tell the whole story. And so I, I've been pretty confident in this Texas defense all season long. I'm kind of glad that you've kind of come into that too, you know, and because um, I feel like, you know, I said this after the, the TCU game, I, I do feel like for Texas fans, I think the defense has been so up and down for the last decade that it's like any big play given up, you see on Horns 24-7, like fire Pete Kwiatkowski. And it's just like, tap the brakes a little bit here. You know what I mean? Like no defense gives up zero yards or, you know, I mean, there's not a single defense in college football right now that has not given up a single point. Like that's just the way it goes. Like they're going to, you know, there are uh, ebbs and flows a little bit with any uh, game that happens, but the Texas defense has really been playing, I think better than any amount of credit that they've been given, honestly, all season long coming off that TCU game. Um, you know, I think it's, the fact that it was a loss, Chip, I almost kind of have more confidence in the defense because not only is the team, you know, kind of reeling with the coming off of the loss, now having to go on the road against a team that embarrassed Texas last year and pretty much ended any 
you know, possibility of Texas making a bowl game, I think just because it was such a, just such a demoralizing loss that Texas faced, you know, had at home against Kansas last year, I feel like, I feel like the defense is going to be ready to go. And I think the offense has to be embarrassed and pissed off right now. And that's what you hope at least, you know, and talking to Bijan Robinson this week, I feel like he was pissed off. Um, I, I feel like, you know, um, I was not there when I had left before Quinn Ewers came because he comes pretty late on Mondays. But, um, you know, hearing what he did say to the media that was there on Monday, like he seemed like he was taking accountability for all of the issues. And so I I really do think that Texas should come out with their hair on fire. I know it's going to be a cold game. Um, in talking to Ryan Watts this week, he did say he honestly would prefer playing in cold games than playing in hot games because, you know, you don't get as tired, it feels, when you are in cold weather. And this is a kid that did play at Ohio State, did play in snowy weather type of games. Uh, he said the coldest game he played, he would not, still to this day, would not say the name of the team, but he was against the team up north. And it was snowing um, in that game. And he said it's still, he felt good. And he said that he, you know, um, he's a Texas kid too. So it's not like he grew up in the, you know, Northeast or anything like that. Um, so for him to say that, I, I don't know if the weather is really going to be a big deal, but I, I feel like I've been pretty confident in the Texas defense all season long. I have a lot of confidence in them to go out on the road and play against, you know, a really um, improved, especially Kansas team. And regardless of the quarterback, I think the defense is going to be ready. Now the offense has to get it together. They've, going to be they're going to be hearing all week chip about how terrible that performance was they already are i mean steve sarkeesian on monday during his monday press conference he was asked if anybody played winning uh football on offense against tcu and he said jordan winnington and then someone said anyone else and he's like nope and if your head coach says that then that's a, a call to answer you know and so um i i do think that this team is still together more than they have been in the past. The culture I still feel is there. Um, it was an embarrassing loss against the number four ranked team in college football and happened at home. So uh, Texas had been playing far better at home than they had on the road. I think it was probably, uh, it was humiliating, but it also humbled them to a point where they, I think that they're going to come out kind of, con they, they should at least come out confident. You would hope that would be the case because if they didn't, then there would be, I would say more culture issues, but I don't, I'm not ready to go there yet. I feel like this team still is pretty together and holds one another accountable. And, um, you know, we'll see it, but I, I'm not too concerned about the defense. What about you? Yeah, I feel, I feel good about the defense for sure. Um, you, you mentioned Quinn Ewers and Ewers, his, his, his demeanor coming off the field. I, I thought he looked shaken. Um, and so I wanted to kind of see his body language and how he sounded on Monday. And he, he did take accountability. Um, he said he needs to improve his footwork. He said the past, this is a quote, the past couple of games, I've gotten lazy with my feet inside the pocket. And even in the run game, um, he said, it's, Quote, it's just plain and simple. I just need to get better with that, whether it's setting up in a certain gap or dropping straight back. So, um, and I mentioned that after the Oklahoma State game, that 
in windy conditions because he's a guy who can throw off platform. He doesn't need to have his feet set to kind of sling his sidearm passes that in windy conditions, you got to drive it. You got to step into it and drive it, uh, especially when you're going into the wind. And, and so here we are talking about wintry conditions Saturday at Kansas. He, he played well with the wind at Kansas state. That was in the second quarter when he got into a nice rhythm and Texas really started to, to uh, put together scoring drives and, and scored those 31 points uh, in the first half against Kansas state. So, um, you know, but he's only completed 45% of his passes the last three games, Taylor. And we, we thought we would see a more confident version of Quinn Ewers, um, against TCU. And obviously he had some early drops in that game that affected him. Uh, he was late on a, on an out route to Xavier worthy, right off the top. And, uh, TCU's cornerback was able to go close and, and break it up. And so, you know, you just want to see him with that sharpness that, that he had against Alabama, against Oklahoma, and even in the second quarter against Kansas State. So uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not quite sure where Quinn Ewers is going into this game, but I know where B. John Robinson is, and it better be with the football in his hands because Steve Sarkeesian got asked about that on Monday, and I thought he had kind of a frustrated answer um, when someone asked him, do you regret – uh, not getting, you know, Bijan Robinson more than 12 touches. He said, I don't know. Yeah, sure. At the end of the day, you're just trying to find a way to find some rhythm to the offense. And I felt like the rhythm that we found was somewhat in the passing game. And, and to Bijan Robinson's credit, he said that he, he missed a couple of um, openings on the fourth and one uh, in the first half where he ran off, you know, ran around right end. He, sh he, he said, he sh I should have kept going. Um, he, he's like, I tried to cut back. I ended up cutting right back into a tackle. And, and I thought that was really incredible for Bijan Robinson to say, it's probably true. I went back and watched it and sure enough, uh, if he had just kept running to the sideline, he probably would have picked up that first down and Texas just couldn't get a break or couldn't make a break or couldn't make a play uh, to, to sustain a drive early in that game. And it really, I think, rattled the confidence of a lot of a, a lot of the members of the offense because they've been so fast starting Taylor. Yeah. And I, I think that's that's the key right there, which you said it was the offense, at least at the start of games, they've heard the criticism about not being able to come out of halftime and score points. I mean, Texas against, you know, big 12 teams is being outscored 98 to 67 in the second half of games in big 12 conference play. They've heard that. And I think the fact that they didn't start off, you know, quick and having a freshman quarterback, you know, kind of have some issues on his first few drives. I think that did hinder it. And, and I will say with Quinn Ewers, you know, I know that there are some people calling for him to be benched or, you know, I mean, the the outrage, I understand it coming out of that game, especially the last few games because he has struggled. But he is showing, you know, some of the freshman mistakes. And 
go back to what Sam Ellinger was like in his freshman year. I mean, this just happens to a lot of players. And when they're the, you know, freshman first time starting at the college level, I mean, there are ups and downs and he, when the quarterback is struggling and then also the players that when he does actually throw a catchable ball to his receivers and they're not catching it, that just is a demoralizing situation for any quarterback, but especially a freshman one. And so I, I do think that, you know, you saying that they didn't get off to a fast start. I totally think that was a huge reason why they were unable to get out of their own way and unable to get into a rhythm because that was what the norm was. And so I feel like, you know, coaches will always say that you are at your best if you're not thinking when you're on the field and you're playing. I feel like the Texas offense as a whole, starting with Quinn Ewers, probably was thinking way too much early in that game. And when you think you're not playing up to your ability. And so I think that was definitely something that probably got overlooked a little bit. But, you know, with that type of start, it really just ended up being kind of the the set or the um, they set the tone that way. And it was a negative tone. And that was just something they couldn't get out. They couldn't move past it. I mean, it's just that's unfortunate you know I mean it was against a good team I I do think that needs to be acknowledged too you know I feel like people are almost acting like this was a loss to like you know an unranked opponent or something along those lines I mean TCU say what you will about their the way that they've won games they still managed to win every single game this season they're number four in the college football playoff rankings we're recording on Tuesday so I don't know if they're going <laughs> to drop out of the top four, but still entering that game number four in the college football playoff rankings. They're not, they're no scrub team. And so, but at the end of the day, you know, you look at the stats, you look at how the offense performed, you know, they have to be better and they definitely have to be better on the road um, against a Kansas team that has the edge right now, Chip. I mean, it's kind of wild to say that, right? I mean, they have the advantage at least in the under Steve Sarkeesian with him as a head coach, Kansas has a winning record against Texas. And so, that needs to change, obviously, and uh, it starts with the offense, and it also starts with the head coach, too. I mean, when you have a struggling quarterback and you give the ball to your best running back, one of the best players in college football, only 12 times, you're only further hindering your struggling quarterback or, you know, continually to call the the deep shots. I mean, he wasn't connecting on them. It's like, do some crossing routes, Th- throw in some intermediate type of passes in there to put him in a better position to Gain, gain confidence that he obviously was lacking in that game. Um, I think that is that needs it starts with Sark. Obviously, I think he needs to acknowledge that a little bit more. But at the end of the day, the players also need to execute too, and that starts Quinn Ewers, receivers, everybody on the the offense too, especially on the road. Yeah, and and to highlight Texas's fast starts, they have outscored opponents two hundred and seven to ninety five in the first half of games this year and then you mentioned the the struggles um you know down the stretch and in the fourth quarter and especially in conference games and and Bijan robinson by the way is the fourth leading receiver on this football team he's got 19 catches for 314 yards that is a staggering 16.5 yards per catch which is tops among the top four receivers on the team and that's because of his ability to catch and run, his ability to catch that ball in space, make make guys miss, and um, and get down the field. And that's that's where I think people were frustrated that there wasn't more designed passing plays, even in the flat, 
to Bijan Robinson. And TCU laid down a blueprint defensively that Kansas may try to copy because Kansas's defense is it's kind of like TCU's. It's kind of middle of the pack, but they do have a good enough cornerback play to to go one on one and and put eight and nine in the box and and as soon as they see run, just have their linebackers come crashing down and fill a gap. Not even try to pursue the ball. Just everybody fills a gap. And it worked for TCU. Does Kansas try the same thing? It's a high risk, high reward um, situation. But what does Kansas have to lose? Yeah, they're at I home mean, too. They're at home. They're bowl eligible. Another win over Texas would just raise the roof off of Memorial Stadium at, in Lawrence. And and so I half expect Kansas to to try the same thing. And and that's where Steve Sarkeesian better have you know, had meetings of the mind uh, with his staff, with Gary Patterson, with everybody to figure out, okay, if this happens again, uh, how do we get rhythm into the offense? And usually it's with short stuff, uh, those short and intermediate routes. And, and then you work your way up, but you know, Steve Sarkeesian wants to hit that deep shot early to force the safeties to have to back off. And that creates running room, and blah 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 so uh it it sure didn't seem like tcu was going to come out of that defense as long as um you know as long as they were able to fluster quinn ewers and and have the success that they were having so it'll be fascinating um unfortunately texas couldn't figure it out during the game and i think that's the hardest part taylor is that Texas fans have sort of been lulled into believing that, okay, Steve Sarkeesian's going to have a great uh, early game plan, a great script. He's going to design some great plays. And, and then how is he as a play calling, um, a play calling adjuster, you know, mm -hmm. how is he adjusting his play calls to what the defense is doing to him? And, and right now, you know, we feel like we're kind of repeating ourselves because that has been a major question for this, for this Texas offense. And if Kansas comes out, plays this high, high risk, high reward, um, you know, linebacker crash fill, you know, and that takes a lot of discipline. You've got to fit your gap perfectly to do it, but TCU did it. Uh, if Kansas can do it, then uh, here we go. Last yeah. week, against Texas Tech, Kansas, that was a full-blown shootout. Both teams were were operating at a high level offensively. Uh, and then uh, Kansas had a fumble that Texas Tech scored on um, that made it 43-28, but it was it was a 35-28 game with Kansas driving. Uh, it, it was a who whoever has the ball last type of game wins. And, and so, and that was in Lubbock, Kansas was able to move the ball at will against that Texas tech defense. And we know Texas struggled uh, to move the ball, especially running the ball late in that game, uh, in that loss that Texas had earlier in the year. So uh, Kansas is they're undeterred and, 
I actually think Taylor that te- te- that Kansas could kind of screw themselves up by bringing Jalen Daniels back this week because Jason Bean is playing so well. It's kind of like the Adrian Martinez, Will Howard situation. Mm-hmm. And I could be crazy, but I'm going to say it right here on the flagship podcast that if, if Jalen Daniels is brought back in to the equation, it might take him a minute to get going. And that might just be what Texas needs to gain some confidence and, and, you know, I could be dead wrong because Jalen Daniels was awfully darn good uh, those first five games when they got off to a five and zero start, but it's been a while. It's been a while since he's played. Yeah. I mean, he played, I think the last game he played in was when Texas played Oklahoma. I think yeah. that was when Kansas played TCU. That's right. Yeah. Cause I yeah. remember being in post game of the Texas OU game with you. And I was like, Oh my gosh, like, this is Kansas kept it close with TCU and they had a backup quarterback in like, what the heck? And we hadn't been able to watch it obviously. Cause it was a game going on at the same time, but yeah, I mean, that's a good point, Chip. I think that um, it's going to be interesting to see how Lance Leipold does kind of maneuver through it. Um, if you, if you did not listen to our interview edition of the flagship podcast this week, definitely check it out. We had Michael Swain from fog.net on and um, as of Monday, he wrote an article saying that uh, Lance Leipold said Jalen Daniels is really, really close to returning for Kansas against uh, Texas. He's taking more reps in practice this week. And so, you know, whether it's him or both of them, um, it sounds like they're trying to at least get him ready to go. And so that's going to be something to watch, no doubt about it. And um, I know, think when- he's been cleared. I think he's been yeah. cleared. I don't think Lance Leipold's not going to announce it, but I've talked to some people who feel like he's been cleared. So now it this is this is the Adrian Martinez Will Howard situation where mm-hmm. Leipold has to decide which quarterback he's going with or does he play both? Because I think I think Jalen Daniels is available for the Texas game. Yeah. So I mean that's something to watch. And and the Texas defense obviously is kind of preparing for both right now. Um and talking to the players on Monday, they talked about that. You know, they're they're in a position where they have to do that. Um, that's not the first time that Texas has been in that situation. Obviously, they had to prepare for both against um Kansas State. You know, Chip, one thing I wanted to mention when you had uh you said just a little bit ago about the you know, second half kind of issues on the Texas offense under Steve Sarkeesian this season, that goes back to last season too. You know, I think all of the blame got put on the Texas defense last year for teams being able to come back after having double digit halftime leads. But, you know, you and I talked about it a lot. Like if you look at the time of possession differential in the first half versus the second half of the games that Texas lost, almost every single one of them, Texas defense was on the field for them, like far more, like way, way, way more and way too long that than any, you know, coach in the country would want their defense on the field in the second half of games. So this has been a consistent issue. And this is kind of, you know, after we talked or when we had, you know, talked on the flagship podcast after the TCU game, I think this is a point where if this can, you know, continues to happen under Steve Sarkeesian for the rest of the games this season with the offense, you know, hopefully starting better for Texas fans' sanity's sake in the first half um, of the remaining games. But they do, if they do kind of, you know, hit a, a speed bump and kind of fall off in the second half of games, Steve Sarkeesian's got to take a hard look at himself in the mirror right now because he obviously was hired at Texas 
because he's a, you know, an offensive guru and because of his, how well um, he calls plays, honestly. However, it's different to call plays as an offensive coordinator than it is as a head coach. I mean, if you look back, I can't, I think the last head coach that also called the offense that won a national championship, I think was Jimbo Fisher at Florida State in 2013. And oh, he had Jameis Winston as a quarterback. I don't think that is, it's happened, at least in the college football playoff, uh, since that started, that a head coach had that also calls the offense has won a national championship. And it's it's not, that's where it's like, it's kind of hard because obviously Steve Sarkeesian his offensive mind got him the head coaching job at Texas. But at some point, if this continues, it's kind of like you can still have your offense, but maybe take the play calling duties off of your plate so that you can have a better visual of the entire game. Um, and so is there's going to be a lot of things I think that he's going to have to look at himself, but obviously that's, that's kind of down the road. Um, I'm not personally, I'm curious for your take chip. I'm not personally expecting that to change at least the second half of games. Um, you know, I, I don't think Texas is going to come out flat in the first half against Kansas. I think that what happened against TCU was more of an anomaly than the standard. Um, so I, I'm kind of expecting them to go back to their old script. But are you in any position right now thinking that somehow the second half woes are going to stop on offense? No, because the trend is it's overwhelming right now. And, you know, it's like our friend Dan Neal, the former uh, Longhorn All-American offensive lineman, two-time Super Bowl winner with the Denver Broncos. He said, you know, habits uh, get formed and they're hard to break. Like winning habits get formed and they're hard to break. Like once you develop winning habits, you keep doing those things and you keep winning. Losing teams develop losing habits and those habits are hard to break. So it's right now, uh, a habit where it's a trend it's it's a problem and it's gone back to last year as you mentioned and um and so you know i think back to this kansas game a year ago that this was the crazy game where sark said i'm playing both quarterbacks he, he just kind of out of the blue said i'm gonna play hudson card and casey thompson and casey thompson had an unbelievable game and he had thrown for three touchdowns and Sark still pulled him out, put Hudson card in card struggled. He had a strip sack that turned that led to a touchdown and he had a pick six uh, by Kobe Bryant of KU who's still there and leads the big 12 in interceptions. And, and then Casey Thompson came in and threw two more touchdowns and got him into overtime. Um, that was one of the three games he threw for five touchdowns in and, and Sark was, playing quarterback carousel and and it was crazy it, yeah. it was a bad game for the texas defense obviously uh but this was jalen daniels coming out party um he and devin neal and they they just uh they put on a show and and that these players these texas players remember it this kansas offense has triple option principles which means you got to account for the quarterback run you got to account for um the pitch and you got to account for anything on a speed sweep or anything in motion. And, and it's very assignment based. And, and so I, I like Texas's perimeter defense. Are you kidding me with Jody Barron in those three and a half tackles for loss and Ryan Watts, if these are my enforcers, 
uh, on the outside, I feel good about that. And, and so, you know, I think the Texas defense matches up pretty well with this Kansas offense, but they need good things to happen early because this, this Texas offense is fragile right now. It has a, it has a fragile psyche and, and so it, in special teams, I mean, think of how desperate Texas was to put its offense in a good position when they had tried to block their third punt of the game against TCU and DeMarvin Overshone, his helmet barely clips the, the punter's plant leg, drawing the, the personal foul uh, that extended, you know, TCU's drive and really kind of sucked the, the life out of the stadium there. So in Texas, special teams are more than capable of making a big play. Keelan Robinson is a special player and, and they might need a special teams play Taylor to, to help tip them over the edge in this one. Yeah, they will. And one, there is something that I think from the offensive perspective that is going to be like, it's going to be hard for me to think that it's not going to be a positive is this game last year was the one that Bijan Robinson was injured in and dislocated he, left elbow in the third quarter. Yeah. And he, he said on Monday that he has not, really thought too much about the injury happening, but that he has thought about the fact that he wants to right the wrong. And I'm under, I'm kind of the type of person just like against Iowa state, you know, he was pissed about his performance in 2021 against Iowa state. And you could hear it in his voice when he was talking about the game leading up to it, about how he wants to kind of prove himself there. I kind of got a similar vibe from the way he was talking about Kansas is a little bit different because you know, the Iowa State performance was, you know, I think at that point was like one of the worst of his careers. He had two fumbles in that game. He only has three career fumbles in total currently. So, um, but he came out ready to roll against Iowa State. And I want the best player on the team. If I'm if I'm a coach, especially, or if you're a fan, you want the best player on the team to be angry and want to um, kind of come out with a vengeance and prove themselves. And like, if, if that's what Bijan Robinson's mentality is, and I'm like, I, I, let's see what Kansas, they may stack the box, but I'm still going to give Bijan, if I'm Steve Sarkeesian, 30 carries because he is a man with a plan right now, I think. And uh, if he's angry and he wants to kind of show up, especially that Kansas was the the team that did knock him out for the rest of the season last year, I'm not going away from him. Like I, I'm just not like I want the ball in the angry player and the just so happens that this player may be um, the angriest and he happens to be one of the best on the team and the best in college football. I'm going to be Joe Robinson nonstop in this game. And I think he he's poised to have a big, a big um, kind of return coming out party, especially coming out of that TCU game. I agree with you. And I think the fact that, um, you know, I mean, I don't know if the question was facetious or not on Monday, but uh, Sarkeesian was asked, are you comfortable giving Bijan Robinson 30, you know, 35 touches? And, and Sarkeesian said, we did it two weeks ago. Very comfortable. Yeah. And I think everyone was like, yeah, so why only 12 against TCU? But I agree with you. I mean, to me, Bijan Robinson – and let's face it, Taylor, this is probably his second to last game. I mean, I don't yeah. know if he plays in the bowl game. I don't know. You know, he's got David 
Mulligetta is his agent, who's one of the top agents in the NFL. I don't, I don't think you risk any injury uh, on a seven, eight win uh, team trying to win a bowl game, but who knows? We'll see. Uh, Roshan Johnson, Jordan Whittington, all these guys, you know, Jordan Whittington refers to himself as a senior. The roster refers to him as a junior. Now he's, he's been at Texas four years. He's had injury issues. Obviously this is his first uh, knock on wood, complete healthy season, but you get the sense that even he's moving on. Yeah. Okay. Let's get the ball in the hands of those three. Those are the three you trust the most along with Jatavian Sanders. Obviously Xavier worthy is a special talent, but geez, oh flip his body language has been so weird this year. And if it's not right on him, we're not seeing him, you know, track the ball or I don't Give know. Effort. He's not giving effort. It's like, it's, it's weird. It, I hate to continue to pile on him, but there was a play in the, the, um, I believe it's the second quarter against TCU. He got back-to-back targets. The first one, Quinn threw it like probably five yards off. Like if he dove for the ball, he may have made a catch or something. Um, you know, whatever. Maybe he could have shown more effort to try to get a PI call, hopefully, on him. But that following play where the ball literally lands like at his feet and his arms didn't even go out to try to make a play. At that point, I mean, if you rewatch that game, I was rewatching that play a few times last night and it was kind of making me mad for the rest of the team because it was a catchable ball. And it's like he made zero effort and you could see it in the replay that TCU's defensive back like didn't even try to make a play. Had Xavier Worthy just put his arms out, literally, that DB probably would have gone straight at his arms and probably would have got a PI flag or he would have caught the ball. I mean, it was a very, very catchable ball and it was there was no effort. Like his arms were by his side when the ball dropped at his feet. It's like. Yeah, like, he was he was outside. The ball was slightly inside and it was like. Just track the ball. Go. All you had to do is this. Yeah. And if the TCU defenders saw your hands go up, guess what they would do at that point? Because the TCU defender was looking back. They would have went straight there because they he would know if he catches this ball and I don't make a play on it, he's going to the house. And at at worst, you get a potentially a PI flag because the defender is going to try to take you out of the game right there or take your arms out, which more times than not gets a flag thrown, you know, especially against um, or in favor of offense. So, yeah, I mean, he just, he's like, I understand Sark's thought about the deep pass and, you know, he doesn't want to go away from it entirely because it essentially frees up not having to have a safety over top of the defense and allows, you know, more people to play in and kind of like stack the box even more so to stop the run and take out that play. But there's got to be someone else. If And if there's not, then that play's got to go away. I mean, get the ball in the hand of Jordan Whittington. Get the ball in the hands of Jatavian Sanders. I know Jatavian Sanders had that drop. But still, he's been clutch. As you said, you know, Roshan Johnson, Bijan Robson, these are these guys' last games at Texas. For Bijan, honestly, Chip... <laughs> I hope he doesn't play in the game, the bowl game. Like, and I know Texas, some Texas fans may be pissed off at me for saying that, but this kid has given all he has got to the university of Texas. He is an elite player. He's a running back. You know, 
having fresh legs as a running back in the NFL is so crucial. Being young as a running back is so crucial in the NFL. If you really want to get, you know, the big contracts and hopefully at least two contracts, just because of the wear and tear that happens on their bodies. He's done so much for the university of Texas. I would hope that he does not play in a bowl game. Um, and I'm, I've definitely one that's like, you know, don't quit on your team type of thing, but I wouldn't consider that quitting. It would be different if they were playing for like a national championship or something for like probably a Texas bowl or something, um, maybe an Alamo bowl at best, but I, I would, I'm not sure that that would happen at this point. It's not worth it. And, yeah. you know, and it's been fun covering Bijan. I mean, it was funny because when we, he was asked about that, you know, um, on Monday and he gave the answer you expect him to give, right? Like he was asked, about, you know, have you thought that these are some of your last games? He's like, oh, you know, I'm not really thinking about that till after the season. And uh, one of the media members goes, we'll miss you too. And like Bijan just started laughing. It was so, but I mean, like everyone there knows like this is his last year. It has been fun covering him. I want to see him have a very long NFL career in a bowl game win for Texas. It's just not the risk and rewards just not really there. Yeah. And he's got more to give. I mean, he, yes. he's like, I'm fresh. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I only had 12 touches. So, <laughs> you know, coming off the 30 carry game against K-State, he, he he needed cold baths and everything possible to, to get in the training room to be ready for the TCU game. But uh, he's, you know, he said he's ready to go. And we know he wants the rock. And and he was, he was frustrated after the game. He said, I can't tell Sark what to do. That's... That's as that's as critical as you're gonna get from right. Bijan Robinson. And but he he came right back on Monday and said, No, nothing has shaken my faith in in Sark, his play calling, it, it, this offense. And and Roshan Johnson said the same thing. I mean, he said Bijan and I went around the locker room and made sure everyone's headspace is in the right place because we we still got work to do. And, you know, a backdoor chance if K-State loses to West Virginia or Kansas here down the stretch and Texas can win out a backdoor chance into the Big 12 title game. So uh, that's what you love. So reward those guys. Reward Bijan, Roshan, Jordan Whittington uh, with with some touches and yeah. and an opportunity to impact these final two games for their team. And we'll see what Steve Sarkeesian can draw up for these guys because uh, uh, Lawrence has been a tricky place for Texas, even when they were really good, Taylor. I mean, Vince Young went up there in 2004 and had to convert, uh, what, fourth and 18 and and did it uh, with his famous Texas two-step on linebacker Nick Reed and then ended up throwing a touchdown pass. Um, with about 20, 12, less than a minute left. And Tony Jeffrey, Mac Brown always used to call him Tony Jeffries, but Tony Jeffrey caught the touchdown pass. And, uh, Mark Mangino was like, are you kidding me? But, uh, Lawrence has been a weird place for Texas. And, uh, I don't even want to think about the Charlie strong game, but anyway, <laughs> just give the ball to Bijan Robinson, Roshan Johnson, Jordan Whittington. That'll. That'll certainly intensify your chances of winning. And Taylor, you know, I couldn't help, but if I'm Steve Sarkeesian, if I give the ball 
to Bijan Robinson 20 times against TCU. Say it's 15 carries and five passes. I'm I'm a lot more comfortable at the podium after the game saying, hey, we wanted our best player uh, to have the ball and yeah. we were going to go down with our best player. Yeah. And, and I think, I think most people would understand it. Yeah. Right. Then the, then the inverse, then, yes. then not even targeting him once on a pass. I get it. Quinn Ewers missed him on the wheel route. Didn't throw it to him. Uh, should have seen him, should have thrown it to him. Would have, could have, should have, but he was not targeted once in the passing game. Mm-hmm. And he's the fourth leading receiver on the team and averaging 16 and a half yards carry yeah. or a reception. Right. So, let that sink in for a second. Yeah. All right, Taylor. I think we've covered the uh, the nuts and bolts here. You ready for some love it or leave it? I am. Before we get to love it or leave it, we're going to take a really quick break, but stay tuned because we have more preview talk as Texas prepares to head to Lawrence, Kansas to face the Jayhawks. We'll be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, Chip, ready for my first love it or leave it? Let's go. All right, love it or leave it. The forecast of freezing temperatures at Kansas will negatively impact the Longhorns in Saturday's game. Okay, I'm leaving this, okay? Okay. What works in cold weather? Defense and running and the football. And running the football, exactly. <laughs> you got, got Bijan Robinson. I understand that Kansas is going to give it to Devin Neal. So Texas you better be giving it to Bijan Robinson, Roshan Johnson, Jordan Whittington. So I'm leaving this yeah. defense and running the football. Taylor, how about you? I agree. I'm I'm going to leave it. I think uh, honestly, it's probably a good thing that it's going to be cold because it takes some of the pressure off of Quinn Ewers from having to throw the ball 40 times. You probably are not going to see that. Probably not going to see that, I would say. Um, but yeah, this this uh, opens up the the offense to lean on the guys that are the two best players on the team, and that is Roshan Johnson, Bijan Robinson. So yeah, I am going to agree with you there and love it. All right. All right. Love it or leave it, number two. Love it or leave it. If the Texas defense holds Kansas to 30 points or less, the Longhorns win on Saturday. Okay. So Texas is giving up 35 points per game in their three road games in the Big 12. Um, the 37 34 loss to Texas Tech, the 41 34 loss to Oklahoma State, and the 
um, 34, 27 win over K state. So I'm, I'm going to say that Texas needs to, I think they need to hold them to 27 points or less. I think 30, they're in danger. So I am going to leave this. I think Texas needs to, they probably need a, a game similar to the K-State game where, um, and which held know, to 27 points, which held to 27 <laughs> points. I, that was a pretty impressive offensive first half, but, and Jalen Ford had the big interception that set up, uh, their last touchdown right before the half. I'll, I'll, I'll leave it there at 27. Um, so I'll leave this Taylor. How about you? Um, I, I think I'm going to love it because I mean, if you do look at the, the three road games, Texas scored the same amount in every single one, they scored 34 points. So if Texas ends up scoring 34 points against Kansas, 30 points equals a win for the Longhorns. Like literally, it's kind of funny to see that against Texas Tech, 34 points for Texas, 37 for Texas Tech, obviously. Against Oklahoma State, 34 points. Against Kansas State, 34 points and a win. So that is crazy. I'm going to go with the trend and say, yes, Texas wins if they hold Kansas to 30 points. And I'm saying that assuming Texas continues you know four straight 34 points on the road game so yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna actually love that one okay all right love it or leave it number three all right final one for you is love it or leave it steve sarkeesian will make sure Bijan robinson gets 30 touches against kansas i mean three and oh texas is three and oh when Bijan robinson gets 30 touches um, no better place to give them 30 touches than on the road in the cold, especially a pissed off Bijan Robinson coming off the loss to TCU. So yes, I'm going to love this. And hopefully Steve Sarkeesian is going to love this. How about you, Taylor? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't necessarily know if he needs 30 per se, I guess, um, but at least like 25. I mean, this you have two more games left with him, right? Like guaranteed two more games. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I'll love it. I'll say, yeah, he gets 30 touches. I just hope that's what Sark is thinking too. Um, just give him a chance. Like, you know, as as I said earlier, he this is the team that that knocked him out for the season last year with the injury that he did suffer um against Kansas last year. He's angry that he did not get more carries against TCU and that they kind of went away from the run game. He wasn't even, you know, as you said, targeted in the passing game either. Um, yeah, I mean, he wants the ball and he just so happens to be one of the top players in college football. So let's maybe give him the ball and uh, stop thinking. I mean, we talk about, you know, I said earlier, you know, coaches will tell you players play at their best when they're not thinking and they're just playing on the field. Sark, stop thinking. And just call the plays and put the ball in the hands of number five and number two. So yeah, I'm gonna I'll I'm gonna love it and say that and run better. and run behind Kelvin Banks, for God's sake. I mean, you run the fourth and one play to the right. Come on, run behind the big fella, Kelvin Banks, and and if you're gonna run counter and power, run it to the left. Just don't overthink it, Sark. You've designed some of these great plays this season. Don't be afraid to go back to them. Don't just assume that 
the defense is going to have it all flanked out. At some point, your players are better than their players, even if they know what's coming. You got Calvin Banks and Bijan Robinson and Roshan Johnson and Jordan Whittington. So just let the let the big dogs eat and don't overthink it. I agree yeah. with you, Taylor. Yeah. All right. Listen, Texas is a nine and a half point favorite in these uh, cold temperatures that are forecasted uh, for the Kansas game in Lawrence, two thirty on FS1. So, folks, we'll be back to recap that game after the game. Make sure that you're subscribed to the Horns twenty four seven YouTube channel so that you're not missing uh, a bit of our incredible commentary here on the flagship podcast by God, if nothing else, we're, you know, good to listen to while you're doing work around the house. Yeah. And I think after that game, Chip, we're probably going to do it live. I think after the Kansas game. So some uh, scheduling there, you know, 30 appointment listing. Yeah. 536 post game, probably seven o'clock. We'll take your questions too. After the game, we'll be live on the Horns 24-7 YouTube channel. So definitely make sure you set your alarms for that and send in your questions for us as we recap the Texas-Kansas game on Saturday. There you go. There you go. So put that in your phone right now. Do not delay. 7 o'clock, flagship podcast live-ish. All right. (laughs) For Taylor Estes, I'm Chip Brown. Until next time, we'll see you over at horns247.com. If you're not a member over at horns247, what's what, what what's going on? I mean, that's where that's where all the action is. That's where the scoop is. That's where the conversation is happening. And of course, where you can find uh, myself and Taylor Estes. So until next time here on the flagship podcast, folks, stay safe and keep the faith. The wait is over. The Shy returns with new episodes on Paramount+. Plus. What brings you to the shed? Opportunity. Everybody get down! Walk right up to the side. A new rain is coming to the south side. Never should have sent a boy to do a woman's job. The Shy. New episodes now streaming. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash The Shy to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with the Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. The subscription auto renews. Restrictions apply.